Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Joining us now via the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line, Matt Stinchcomb joining us here in the locker room as he does every single week. We were talking about uh, the Braves clearly for most of the show, Stinch. Uh, when you're in the trenches, there are a lot of teams down college football that have a chance this week to bounce back, to position themselves number one in their conference and some teams that can really, you know, bury some other teams. When you talk about this part of the season, Overall, what's the focus? You want to win every week. We know that. You want to play your best and execute every week. But uh, this part of the season, the middle part of the season, what are some of the things you're looking forward to seeing that will shake up college football starting next week? Yeah, well, I think you start to see a little bit of separation. And we've played enough ball now to where you know what these teams are, who they likely are. Now, there's some teams that still haven't played anybody. But uh, others that you're starting to learn more about and I, I do think that uh, at this point you have a better idea of who the best teams are, at least from conference to conference. You know, last week was a great week. I mean, it, it was it was telling, to say the least. You learned a lot about some teams, you know. I think that, um, you know, Oklahoma's win over Texas, you know, Texas and an and, and inability to find a way to win that football game. Uh, you know, LSU beating a, a Missouri team, A&M, probably you know would do a few things differently in that game who knows what they pull off versus Alabama at home um you know there's there's a lot of games where you're sitting there going okay i mean so now we've got i think a clear idea at least within the conference from an SEC standpoint and then the Big 12 where you got an Oklahoma team where you know, you want to say they're kind of sitting pretty you knew it was probably going to be one of those two teams coming out of that conference as they depart the Big 12 but you're learning more and more you know Southern Cal they don't look like they're a contender. I mean, people act like they could have been, and then you see the way they play this past weekend versus uh, an Arizona team. We were like these guys. Um, you know, they end up they drop a game to to Mississippi State that's struggling this year. It's just they don't look to be a contender. We've seen enough now. Even if they improve, I don't know how they can make enough strides defensively to be a, a legitimate threat. And, you know, same would be for the LSU version of the Tigers. So. We've seen enough now, I think, where we're getting a clearer idea of what college football is going to look like and who the, the good teams are. I don't know that there are any elite teams. There might be. There might be some that are starting to to assert themselves. Um, but there, I think we have an idea of, of who the good ones are, at least the ones that will ultimately contend at the end of the season. Stinch, I think it's a fascinating weekend in the SEC because there's some teams that we think are supposed to be good that maybe are not. Your game is intriguing because South Carolina off to a fairly bad start for their standards, and I don't know what Florida is as of right now. What do you look forward to in that game as far as South Carolina maybe trying to right the ship or Billy Napier getting his team away from uh, that 500 mark? Yeah, I think it is, you nailed it. It's a big game. This is a it's a pivotal game for South Carolina. If they want to talk postseason, they're they're going to have to. They got to get this one. I think part of it's just because it sets the tone for the second half of the season, and they have to find a way to get this one. Obviously, at home, uh, but also you look at the way the rest of the the schedule unfolds, and even though you know there's some teams that are struggling that it would usually otherwise would give South Carolina some static. Um, maybe they pull it off. You know, Clemson's not having the best year, of course, and, and uh, obviously 
Gamecocks were able to find a way to get a victory over them last year. But this season, um, you know, it's kind of on the ropes a little bit for the Gamecocks. Florida, I'll tell you what they have been. I don't know what they are, but what they have been is terrible on the road. They just are a terrible road team, and that's something that obviously they have to figure out a way to fix, including neutral sites, incidentally. Um, kind of an important one there on their schedule. But they have not been – they've been incredibly, uh, we'll call it efficient from a completion standpoint in the passing game. They, they lacks explosion. There's nothing that scares you about what they do uh, in their passing offense. And without a healthy Trevor Etienne for Florida, you're going, I mean, how much are you worried about that, that ground game? Yeah, you'll get maybe five or ten yarder out of Montreal Johnson. Heck of a back. But he's not one that's going to hit a home run on you. So – uh, this is a good one in the SEC East for sure, if nothing else, because you're talking about postseason prospects and a Florida team that has to get right. And the other one's Missouri and, and Kentucky in the East because both of those teams, formerly undefeated, both now with one loss, Mizzou going down to LSU, and then, of course, Kentucky getting thumped by Georgia. And, you know, I think one of those two teams is the second-best team in the East. You know, until we see something better out of Tennessee, which we'll find out this weekend to A&M, that I think it's one of those two teams. And, and if I had to put money on anybody, it would be Missouri uh, of those two candidates. So we'll find out, you know, who is the, the next best. And, you know, it makes it a lot more interesting if it's Missouri too because Georgia still has them waiting on the schedule. Yeah, that, that's where I was going to go next, Stench, because, you know, I'm looking at Georgia's schedule and we all know about it and they really don't get tested until maybe – Ole Miss and then Tennessee in back-to-back games. But if Tennessee loses this week, they're pretty much out with two SEC losses. If Missouri loses this week, they'd be out with two losses before we even hit November and Georgia doesn't have any losses. So is this a week, and I know it's really early in the year, but like, is this a week where you feel like Georgia could create a lot of separation even to the point where like they could wrap it up, especially if those if Tennessee and Missouri loses? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the way the schedule's unfolded so far, the division records that it would be that would be established at that point in conference losses, then you're you're saying, you know, it could could you still somehow get derailed? Yeah, but boy, is it a stretch! I mean, you're sitting in, you're going, I mean, you're talking about some really underwhelming performances, and and what would have to happen? Who who would have to be unavailable, and and how many? So at that point, you know, you're going, yeah, there's a real chance that the East kind of becomes this uh, foregone conclusion, which it's weird. We were talking about this earlier this week. Earlier in the season, it's like, wow, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen this year? I mean, yeah, it looks like it might be, especially in the East, it's more likely going to be Georgia. But in the West, you're over there going, ah, you know, after, especially after Bama lost to Texas, what's going on? Then they look bad versus USF, and you're going, man, you know, it's wide open. And then all of a sudden it's like, nah, not really isn't. It's not that open at all. And now the, the prediction is, I think, what, 72% or something that it'll be Georgia-Bama at the end of the season, which is exactly what a lot of folks thought coming into the season. We'll still have a lot of ball to play and all the things, and I still think teams are gettable. But um, a lot would have to happen, especially if, if things unfold the way you just described, where it looks like it'd be Georgia in the east and then you know, most likely the tide in the west. Stench, I love talking to you about offensive line play, and I want to say or ask you about RPOs. Offensive linemen, RPO, what's your mindset when you're running an RPO and thinking that it might, it might be a run, it might be a pass, I cannot go past three yards uh, down the line of scrimmage, 
What's the mindset? You didn't run it, I know, because you, you, you know, you know, yeah. you no, way back in the day. So, but That's what's right. the mindset these days of offensive linemen when you run an RPOs and I've seen some penalties called and mm-hmm. linemen down the field. Uh, how do you coach that up? I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I know that talking to the coaches, uh-huh. they especially like you think back. Uh, it was two seasons ago now. Uh, where Nick Saban was saying that part of the issues that they were having in the run game is the RPO element. And when you're being asked to run block, it is a mentality. It, it, it definitely is a mentality that you have to adopt and have uh, an edge to, to move someone from point A to point B against their will. That's the Joe Moore award kind of thing where it, that's not an easy thing to do, especially when that guy's trained to not be moved. Um, and you got to get your mind right for that sort of thing. And when you're asked to do that, except maybe that was unnecessary because the ball got spit out to the boundary or, you know, on a quick little slant or something, you lose that edge. And it's just, it's inevitable. It's it's the same reason why it's incredibly hard to get these O-line guys to sell play action. Hey man, keep your hat low. You hear coaches say that, stay low, stay low. Why? Because those safeties, and the secondary players, they're reading the uncovered offensive line. They're not looking at them. If they're smart, they're mm-hmm. reading the uncovered offensive lineman. They're not looking in the backfield because that uncovered offensive lineman is going to tell you all you need to know. As soon as he pops up, as soon as that helmet pops up, it's a pass. Right. Maybe QB draw. Now, how often do we see that now anymore, right? So it's hard enough to get guys to do that and they know it the whole thing is your whole point is man you're the decoy you don't even have a guy lined up over you stay nice and low sell the run for two steps they don't do it they're terrible at it and it's hard enough to be like hey man and now i want you now i want you to run block except except so it's the inverse of that except maybe it's a pass and those dudes are like well forget it i mean it's just it's not like they don't care but it is a mentality thing, and because of that, because there's like this weird escape hatch that you've now built in where, you know, if we don't like the run look, then the ball's coming out. Plus, you know, these O-line guys, even though I'm, I'm saying, oh, they don't pull this off, they can count. So you look at the box, and it's like, yeah, RPO. But, you know, <laughs> based on my count, this ball's probably coming out. I'm, I'm not going to sell it that hard. But there's sometimes where these QBs where you're like, that doesn't even make sense. I, I don't know why. Why are we handing it right here? This is the count is against you. You should be spitting this ball out. Well, we didn't like the leverage or whatever. The old line guys can't see that. Next thing you know, it's a it's a two yard gain, and it's because these dudes are like, well, man, I kind of expected, mm-hmm. you know, I you know based on the box count, I expected this ball to go out to the perimeter, and it never did. There's a lot of teams. Arkansas runs a ton of RPOs. It's interesting, and some offenses have gotten away from it. Some of them were crazy RPO heavy, right. and uh, I'm actually seeing less of it this year, at least in the conference. Stinch, uh, arguably the dumbest call in the history of the ending of a college football game happened last week at Hard Rock Stadium. If you're Mario Cristobal, what can you possibly say to your team to get them to come back and perform? Uh, You know, well, step one is you got to take some accountability, which it sounds like after the fact, what, two days later? Yeah. uh, They came out and were like, yeah, you know, we we, we probably should have knelt down. We're going, yeah, we we all did the math. You should have. Um. But those guys, I do think this, that game is won. And it's it's not as if you went out there and you got uh, – and take nothing away from Tech because they still had to – even though you get the ball back, you still got to go score. 
So it's not all on the coaches. Yeah, it should have never gotten to that point. But, hey, how do you let a guy get behind you twice? I don't even – I still don't get how that whole game unfolded. But I think from a, a coaching standpoint, it's, hey, guys, I mean, this is – was it a, a comedy of errors? you got to laugh so you don't cry. But it's not as if you weren't in position to win that game. The game was as good as one. We blew it. Pick us up. But there, there can't be a denial, right? That locker room knows. You can't. There, there are no phonies in a locker room. They don't last. You can't go in there and try to BS your way through it or around it. You know, Crystal Ball is a player. He's been around the game a long time. I, you know, you would like to think. I, I would imagine that he's got ownership of what went down, and you got to get those guys to you know stay bought in for the ninety-eight percent of that game that they were. I mean, they weren't playing great ball, and there have been a couple others where you're going, well, what is this team doing? But there at the end of the game, you can't – it'll speak to how strong that team is. I know that. If that if what transpired this past Saturday ends up being enough to derail the kind of season that Miami could have, then you know that maybe they weren't as strong of a team that as, as we maybe thought that they were. Good stuff, Stench. We'll see what this weekend yields. Some good games all around college football. We look forward to talking to you next week. All right, guys. Thanks. Matt Stinchcomb, he joins us here in the locker room every Thursday here on the Fan 680-93.7 FM. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 